Thank you again for your kind welcome, wife and I. Glad to have fellowship with you again. I want to speak to you from the passage of scripture that we read a moment ago in Ephesians 6 and uh, that uh, very familiar, marvelous passage in, uh, from verse 10 and looking just at the opening two verses. Be finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's a great passage. It's a a stirring passage and uh, one I'm sure that we're all familiar with. Let me begin by perhaps making some kind of uh, illustration. When I was uh, 18, I joined the forces, um, as did thousands of other young men at that time, days of national, national service. I was for three years in the, in the RAF. I took part in uh, military exercises, I carried a rifle and I, and I fired it. Our camp was attacked on more than one occasion. But there's something that I haven't told you. It was all a pretense. There was no real enemy. No bullets were fired. They were blanks. And I was never in any real danger. I have to say that. It was a mock battle, an exercise. But I want to say to you, in contrast to that, the Christian life is not like that. It's, it's not a, like a mock battle. It's real. We were talking about realities this morning, the reality of the resurrection. Well, we need to face the reality of the spiritual warfare and battle that we are involved in as Christians. The enemy is real, the dangers are real, fiery darts of the evil one are real and powerful and wound and harmless. So we need to approach this passage with uh, seriousness, with hearts that cry out, Lord, strengthen us. Lord, be my stay and my strength in the daily battles that I fight. If we were looking at the whole passage, the whole uh, of these verses here, then there are three main truths that might occupy our attention. The first is the militant nature of the Christian life. The second is the, is the spiritual nature of the conflict in which we are involved. And the third is the utter adequacy of the resources of God and of Jesus Christ and his grace. But I want to focus this evening, yes, for a short while, on this uh, great 
opening statement, this uh, clarion call to battle. I think Dr. Lloyd-Jones calls it in his, uh, in his sermons, which I hope you will, you will read. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God. And two commands here, and they belong together. The first directs our eyes to the Lord and to his power and to the resources of his strength and of his grace. The second urges us to do something. We are to put on the armor of God. And both of these commands are essential in the, uh, in the spiritual warfare. Paul puts this first. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Interesting. That's where he begins. Why? The scripture is never haphazard about these things. The order is always often very significant and I think is significant here uh, for two reasons. First, that it's always Paul's method to lift our eyes and to direct our eyes to God and uh, to Jesus Christ. Tremendously important that we understand that uh, that's where we are to begin. We are to face the power of the enemy. It is said that uh, during the Battle of Alamein, in the last war, that Montgomery had uh, a photograph of Rommel pinned up in his caravan. He wanted to be reminded who his enemy was. And we are to be like that. We are to be conscious of the power of the enemy. We never underestimate his power. The scripture describes Satan as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Even the archangel Gabriel dared not speak lightly of him. But you remember, said only the Lord rebuke you. An enemy of great power subtlety, craft. He can even transform himself, the scripture says, into an angel of light. And he's always at work. He roams through the earth and uh, seeking who he may destroy. You remember from the book of Job. That's not only true in a general sense, but that's true particularly for the Lord's people, for, for Christians. He is the accuser of the brethren. He has very special interest in those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He pays great attention to the Lord's people, to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We could say that's what he's aiming at above all. Or perhaps even that statement is wrong. He's aiming at God. He's aiming at Christ. That's what Satan is aiming. Not you and I, ultimately. God, his honor, his glory, his name. 
But in order to get to the Lord Jesus Christ, he gets to his people. So he's aiming at you because he aims to dishonor the Lord Jesus Christ. If he could seize you, he would drag you down to hell. Make no mistake about that. Satan is our deadly enemy. And we face him day by day. And so the first exhortation is, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then another reason why we ought to consider this is just because of our weakness and our need of divine aid and of divine help. We, we are weak and poor and need the strength that only Jesus Christ can give. It's a very strange thing that um, feeling our own weakness and our own need is not something that we grow out of. In a sense, it's something that we grow into. You think of it in this way. Here's a little fellow. He's, um, he's just learned to walk. We love to watch them, don't we? And he goes to town with his mother, holds tight to his mother's hand, and he feels safe, and he feels secure in that position. But come back to him in, in ten years or more's time, and see him going down to town. Is he still hanging on to his mother's hand? No, no, of course he isn't. He's, he's, he's growing up. He's walking on his own. And we are very glad of that. Uh, that's how it ought to be. <clears throat> but that's not the pattern for the Christian. We are to continually feel our dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus reminds us of this. Dare not trust our own strength. The hymn that we sang. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. That's a, a strange thing. How can that be? Because we need the Lord. Because we have no strength of our own. Because we're weak and poor. But the strange thing is this. That as we feel our weakness and our dependence. And we lift our eyes to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're strong. That's how strength comes to the Christian. Not, as it were, by looking within and feeling, well, how strong and capable I'm, I'm becoming. No, by feeling my own weakness and looking more steadily, more earnestly, more in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. As we face the enemy, all his craft and, and power, we feel deeply our own weakness, and our own inadequacy. But that's just what we need to feel. The danger is the day <coughs> when we don't feel that. 
and we feel self-confident, then we are in peril. Be strong, the scripture says, in the Lord. Remember uh, Joshua, when he stood on the borders of the, of the promised land and uh, looked at what lay before him, the walled cities. Do you remember how the word of the Lord came to him? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God will be with you. Same great truth, isn't it? Look not to your own resources, but, but look to the resources of God day by day. And we need that lesson. We need to have that written on our minds that we might look to the Lord, trust in him. Times when we're tested, times when the way is hard, times when hard decisions come, times when we feel pain, to look to him. Lord, you are my strength and you are my stay. Be to me in this situation all that I need. <clears throat> and then perhaps a, a fourth reason uh, why this comes first, why Paul begins with this word, is that we, we need to get a view of the whole battle. We need to see the whole battle, as well as our own particular um, battles and, uh, and struggles. <clears throat> Some years ago, when I was a young fellow really, I used to go sometimes to the, um, to the art galleries, an arty period in my life. And um, I had a postcard with a picture on it that I was really rather fond of. And the, the picture, it was a painting. It was called The Powder Monkey. And uh, it showed a young lad, although his face looked old. You knew from his size that he was young, but he had the face of an, an older man, covered in grime, and uh, in the midst of the heat of, of battle, and hurrying across the deck of a great warship in those days. And uh, his task, of course, was to carry the powder to those who were firing the cannons. It was a fearful task. But these little lads, sturdy, courageous, they carried the gunpowder across to the guns. And uh, <clears throat> he, the, the picture is called the powder monkey. But in fact, it's, it's only a part of a much bigger picture. It's just a little section of a very famous painting. And the painting is the death of Nelson. The scene is the deck of the, of the victory and all the battle going on. Nelson lying on the floor. The, little, the work of this little lad fitted in to that, to that great battle. And, and we are like that. The battles that you face for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. The spiritual strength that you need to press forward, to trust him, to walk in his ways. All, all that is, is a part of a much, a much bigger picture. 
great battles between the powers of darkness and the powers of light. Well, there's no, there's not a question of wondering who will win. In one sense, the battle is already won in Calvary. But now it's being worked out in this world. And we are, we are, we are caught up in that battle. Now, often, of course, we only see the battle in terms of our own, of our own lives and our own situation. And it's good sometimes to remind ourselves that we are involved in a much larger conflict that the Lord Jesus Christ is carrying on and will carry on to the day of victory. We're not simply fighting an individual battle. We are a part of something much greater. As a help to us, an encouragement to us to, to remember that. <clears throat> hearing a moment ago about the spiritual needs of the people in, uh, in Burma. Um, but if you go back to the days of the, of the last war, of course the, the battle, there were different spheres of battles and uh, the war was carried on in Burma, in fact, and um, in the jungle. And the part of the army that was fighting there often felt very isolated. They talk about the forgotten army. But they weren't forgotten really. They were part of this larger conflict. Those battles had to be fought. And it's like that with us. We are part of a bigger conflict. The victory is won. The Lord Jesus Christ is leading us forward. He's uh, leading us on to victory in our own lives. The battle is the Lord's. Tremendous help to remember that. <clears throat> and then also to remember this. To remember that the, the victory in one very real sense has been won already. The great battle is not a battle to come at the end of the age. The great battle is Calvary. Calvary. The Lord Jesus Christ hung and died on the cross and triumphed over the powers of darkness and evil and, and brought in pardon and peace for an innumerable multitude in this world of which you and I by grace are made a part. The battle, the battle, has already been won. It's not it's not um, an, an uncertain thing. We're not waiting to see how things will go. No, no, we know how things will go. Because the Lord Jesus Christ has triumphed. And in one sense, the whole of this era now is the mopping up operations until the final day when the Lord Jesus Christ will come. Someone has put it like this and I think it may be helpful. The, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ is like, uh, let me go back to the last war, is like D-Day. D-Day was decisive. They knew once they'd got a foothold there, once that battle essentially was won, then they knew that the whole battle 
was, would be finally theirs. The uncertainties, the doubts about the final outcome were no longer present after D-Day. It was a hard battle afterwards, but they knew the victory was coming. In a sense, we live between D-Day and VE Day, if I can put it like that. We live between the cross and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We live in the last days and we fight our battles in, in this period. And we fight them in the confidence that the victory is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to write that on our hearts. So we're in a great battle. And there can be no armistice. And there can be no truce. Every day of our lives. And our holidays and on work days. We are warring a good warfare. One old soldier once said. Even on the brink. A Christian soldier now. Even on the brink of Jordan. I find Satan nibbling at my heels. And that's right. All our days we're under attack. J.C. Ryle puts it like this. There are two great marks of a Christian. He may be known by his inward warfare as well as by his inward peace. And that's right. Known by his inward warfare as well as by his inward peace. The very battles that at times cause you pain are to be to you a confirmation that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, that you are fighting his battles on his side, as it were. And it's the fight of faith. By faith we enter the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and by faith we fight its battles. Central place of faith in our lives. One quote from William Gurnall, The Christian in Complete Armour, perhaps one of the best things that has been written uh, on this passage. In heaven we shall appear not in armour, but in robes of glory. But here below, our armour and our weapons must be worn day by day. We put our armour off when we come into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was tempted to give you a quotation from John Bunyan, that marvellous, marvellous passage in uh, Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, in the second part of Pilgrim's Progress. <coughs> Mr. Valiant now. When he understood it, that is, that his end was coming, he called for his friends and told them. Then said he, I am going to my father's, and though with great difficulty I am got hither, yet now I do not repent me of all the trouble I have taken 
to arrive where I am, my sword I give to him that shall succeed me in my pilgrimage, and my courage and my skill to him who can get it, my marks and scars I carry with me to be a witness for me that I have fought his battles who now will be my rewarder. When the day that he must go hence was come, many accompanied him to the river's side, into which he went, saying, Death, where is your sting? And as he went down deeper, he said, O oh, grave, where is your victory? And so he passed over, and all the trumpets sounded for him on the other side. Need that sense of victory, privilege, grace, triumph, even in the struggles that we have, to see them as a part of this larger conflict that will at last see its final victory in the day of Jesus Christ. How are we going to going to sing? We are well supplied with hymns um, on occasions like this. Seven hundred and nineteen. We rest on thee, our shield and our defence.